When will I ever learn? The Sacramento Kings were up by 30 points with just under 10 minutes remaining in the third quarter when I sent this tweet out. The NBA done messed up and pissed the Kings off. Well, from the second I sent that tweet, the Chicago Bulls came roaring back with a 29-9 run, and the Kings nearly, for the second time in a month, blew a massive lead on the road and lost. Well, thankfully, they learned from their mistake in Phoenix. The Kings hold on and narrowly avoid disaster, defeating the Chicago Bulls 123-115. to They are 10 games over 500, and you are listening to Locked on Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your best bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And you would think, not just after the six years that I've been hosting the Locked on Kings podcast, not just after the eight or nine years, nine seasons that I've been covering the Sacramento Kings professionally, you would think after the lifetime of being a Sacramento Kings fan that I would learn to never trust a Kings lead ever. No matter how big it got, what portion it is in the game, never trust a big lead by the Sacramento Kings because for some reason, they'll always let you back in the door. I think it was 2009, if I'm not mistaken, that the Kings came back from, they were down like 34 points or something like that, in Chicago, they came back, I think, led by Tyreek Evans and Ime Udoka, if I'm not mistaken. They come roaring back to pull off an epic comeback in Kings history, one of the bright spots in an ultimately really, really poor Kings season. The Chicago Bulls nearly finally got their revenge tonight with the Kings up 30 in the third quarter, and then that lead was cut down to just 10 going into the fourth quarter. It's easy to laugh about it now that the Kings are on the right side of the result, even though it was a pretty embarrassing collapse. We're going to talk about what went wrong. We also have to talk about all of the good from this game because there was a whole lot of good from this game. But let's talk about that disaster that the Kings nearly pulled off, right? Or it nearly happened to them again. I mentioned a 29-9 to run by the Chicago Bulls. They were like a little over nine and a half minutes remaining in the quarter. And from that point, the Bulls just completely took over. Uh, they got to within three points with just a couple of minutes remaining. So the Bulls nearly completed this comeback. So let's talk about what went wrong really quick for the Sacramento Kings before we talk about what I'm excited to talk about, which is the great performance for De'Aaron Fox. What went wrong for the Kings? Well, the Kings had 24 assists in the first half. 20 Four of their 28 made field goals came off of assists in the first half. In the second half, they had only nine assists on 14 made field goals. They finished the game with 33 assists total. So what does that tell me? One, the ball wasn't moving nearly as much as it was in the first half. But of course, in order to have an assist, you have to make a shot. 
and the Kings shooting percentages plummeted in the second half compared to the first half. I don't know if you want to call that. The Kings were just shooting so well in the first half and opening couple of minutes of that uh, third quarter that you just knew it wasn't going to last or if the tired legs of a second night of a back-to-back caught up for the Kings. Whatever it was, the Kings' second half shooting percentages were nowhere near the first half. The Kings shot 62% from the field and 50% from three-point range in the first half. In the second half, 35% from the field, 28% from uh, three-point range. So they fell off a cliff offensively shooting-wise. Now we also have to give the Chicago Bulls a lot of credit. They are a good defensive team, even though they're not a good team overall. They're a solid defensive team. They have a lot of good defenders on that roster, including Alex Caruso, who I want even more after tonight's game uh, than I, I wanted going into it in terms of the Kings trying to trade for him at this trade deadline. We'll talk about at the end of the podcast what I'd be willing to give up for the Kings to go out and get Alex Caruso if there's even a slight chance that he is available. We'll talk about that uh, later on. But credit to the Bulls' defense. They kept fighting. They fought hard. They didn't quit, especially after losing basically their franchise guy in in Zach Levine, who it was announced earlier today that he's going to have a surgery on his foot, I believe, and miss the remainder of the season. Tough blow for them. And we thought that Zach Levine was going to potentially be on the move. Not to Sacramento necessarily, but he, he was definitely being shopped, to put it lightly. Well, his season is over. That could have taken the wind out of the Bulls' sails, especially being down 30 at home. They kept fighting. So credit to them. They made really, really good defensive adjustments in the second half. As soon as they smelled blood, they kept pushing. They kept fighting, got that crowd involved, and made it a game. The Kings were also doing a really, really good job getting out in transition. They had 20 fast break points in that first half. They had just four fast break points in the second half. Now, the Bulls are one of the best, if not the best, transition defense team in the league. They do not allow you to score in transition. They didn't do a good job of that in the first half. In the second half, they figured that out a little bit more. And the Kings only had 16 points in the paint in the second half compared to Chicago's 32. So a number of things went wrong in the second half compared to the first half. And honestly, I should probably be more upset about this blown lead than I am. And I probably would have been had the Kings found a way to lose this game. But especially considering a handful of games ago, after a Kings win in Memphis, I was as frustrated as I've ever been this season, or pretty close to as frustrated as I've ever been this season. I had that pretty negative reaction to that win, which of many of you disagreed with that reaction. You were happy that even though it was an ugly basketball game, the Kings found a way to win. I had higher standards and higher expectations. So maybe it's a little hypocritical that I'm not as angry and not as frustrated and not as upset in this win where they blew a 30-point lead than I was in that win where they didn't blow a lead at all. They just barely found a way to beat our super shorthanded Memphis Grizzlies team. Regardless like, I, 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 I mean, a lot of what has to do with me not being frustrated, of course, the Kings getting the win, but also how well the Kings played in that first half, specifically how well De'Aaron Fox played in that first half. First and foremost, happy first birthday to baby Rain Fox. Of course, De'Aaron Fox's son uh, was sitting courtside with uh, Fox's family, including his wife, Rose. Really cool to uh, see them. They were sitting right by the Kings bench. So he was a major topic of conversation. Of course, De'Aaron Fox really does like Chicago. Whether his family is there or not, he likes playing in Chicago. Last time he was in Chicago, he hit that pull-up game-winning uh, three to, uh, to, to win the game. And that was his famous I'm effing nice game. An I'm effing nice moment 
from last season, right? So Fox already has fond memories of playing in Chicago. So having his son courtside, having an opportunity to show uh, or showcase or have a big night on his son's first birthday with his family sitting courtside, you knew De'Aaron wasn't going to uh, miss out on that opportunity. He was just awesome tonight. Just awesome. He finished with uh, 41 points, four rebounds, four assists, and five steals. So he has a combined 66 points and 11 steals in his last two games, specifically over his last 70 minutes. He played 35 minutes tonight, 35 minutes last night in Indiana, 11 assists, 66 total points. Again, these are the two games after he was an all-star snub. He was not named to the all-star game. Now, to put that in even more perspective, this is his fifth game this season where he scored 40 or more points. Fox has scored 40 or more points five times this season. There are only three players in the league that have scored 40 more or more points more than De'Aaron Fox. You ready for these three names? Giannis Antetokounmpo, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid. Three guaranteed first ballot all-stars. Three all-star starters, even though, unfortunately, Joel Embiid is, is hurt and is probably going to miss the all-star game. Three all-star starters. And then De'Aaron Fox, who is not in the all-star game. It's uh, just no matter what, I can, I, every single game for the remainder of this season, every single number that we look at, it just is never going to make sense why, why Fox and Sabonis weren't named to the all-star game based off of the, 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 the seasons that they're having, the numbers that they're putting up, the success of the freaking Sacramento Kings, who are now 10 games over 529 and 19. I don't get it. I don't get it. Now, you might be saying, okay, okay, great. He has four games where he's got 40 or more points. Okay, but there's got to be a drop-off elsewhere, right? Now, in addition to those four games, this, is, this doesn't include those four games. In addition to the four games that Fox has had scoring 40 or more points, he has 12 games this season where he scored 30 or more. That means, well, I should say, he has 12 games this season where he scored in the 30s. He's have, he has 16 total games this season where he scored 30 or more. Four games in the 40s and 12 games in the 30s. These are the scoring numbers that... Everybody said De'Aaron Fox didn't have last season. That's why Damian Lillard got in over Fox last season. That's why Damian Lillard was named an all-star initially, and De'Aaron Fox was named an injury replacement. Because even though De'Aaron Fox was on the better team, Damian Lillard, even the Portland Trailblazers sucked, but look at the scoring numbers that Damian Lillard's putting up. Okay, so De'Aaron Fox has the good team and the scoring numbers this year. Nope, doesn't make it. It does not make sense. It does not make sense. But what does make sense is that De'Aaron balled out in Chicago and he balled out on his son's birthday. By the way, the last time De'Aaron scored 40 points in a game was a loss against the Portland Trailblazers. The day after Christmas, De'Aaron scored 43 points in that loss. And that was a bad loss at the time, right? De'Aaron went off, everybody else sucked. It was a rough way uh, to, to, to finish off the Christmas season, right? But it's been a while. It's been a while from all of January. No 40-point games for De'Aaron. He comes back, has a big night tonight. I don't know if he's, it's because he's pissed off about the All-Star vote. 
Uh, I don't know if he loves just playing in Chicago. I don't know if that was all for baby rain. Maybe a combination of all three. But it was great to see De'Aaron have the night that he had. And he was not alone in his big night. He also got another great night from his bench duo of Malik Monk and Trey Lyles. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about DeMontis Sabonis and history that we thought he made that turns out he actually hasn't. A correction on uh, uh, some... King's histor uh, history numbers, uh, historic numbers that we'll, we'll, we'll lay out. Plus, of course, like I mentioned, want to talk about Alex Caruso. We'll get to all of that here in just a second. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all of those who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Of course, we got to get through this week, the Pro Bowl week. It's especially more and more uh, disappointing and, and boring, and let's just get it over with because the San Francisco 49ers of, are, of course, in the Super Bowl. And if you're like me, you love Super Bowl time because you're all about finding the best spot on your couch, right? Finding the perfect snacks and also finding the fun bets and the fun ways for you to make money while enjoying the game and enjoying that Super Bowl Sunday. Well, FanDuel is the perfect place to place some of those bets. Uh, you can bet on so many different things. Fun prop bets, side bets, bets involving the national anthem, bets involving who's going to win or lose the coin toss, who's going to score the first touchdown, who will score a touchdown, period. How many points will be scored? So much more. There's so many ways for you to have fun and get creative with your bets on Super Bowl Sunday on FanDuel. And if you're thinking about giving it a try, New customers, if you join today, you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So sign up right now. Place that $5 bet on anything. Place it on the Sacramento Kings and Cleveland Cavaliers game on Monday or whatever. Something in between now and then. If that, that bet wins, there's $200 in bonus bets that you can use to have some fun on Super Bowl Sunday and ultimately make more money. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash Locked on FanDuel. Make every moment more an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. The second straight game, the bench big two, as I call them, Malik Monk and Trey Lyles having big nights. We'll start with Malik, 22 points, seven assists, five rebounds off the bench. That means in these last two games combined, he has 45 points and 13 assists. Remember, the four games before that, he only had a combined 22 points in those four games. So Malik is coming back. The Sacramento Kings are definitely in need of that. But as much as I love the scoring from Monk, I love those assists. You know how much I love those assists. Monk has more 20.5 assist games off the bench than anybody in the league this season, and it's not particularly close. That's why I believe he should be, if not the front runner, at least in the top three for the sixth man of the year conversation. Although, if the Kings can't get All-Stars, I don't know how they're going to get that award, even though they're a winning basketball team. Then there's Trey Lyles, who, I mean, he might as well have been on the uh, that, that NBA Jam arcade game, coming into the game with his hands on fire. Trey Lyles could not miss from three-point range in the first half. He finished with 16 points, five of seven from deep. Again, all five of those threes came in the first half, also had five rebounds and two steals. He now has a combined 29 points in the last two games. Before yesterday's game against the Indiana Pacers in the loss to the Miami Heat, the Sacramento Kings bench did nothing. I don't know if that fired those two up, fired the Kings bench up, period, because Davion Mitchell had some good moments. Uh, 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 JaVale McGee had, had some good moments in this game as well. Like, the Kings bench has shown up over these past couple of games. And, of course, when the Kings are getting a nice boost from their bench in addition to the starting firepower that they have, even though their starters tonight 
weren't great, right? It was De'Aaron Fox with his big 41. I think the next closest was Harrison Barnes or, or uh, no, DeMontis Sabonis with 13. I think Harrison had 11. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, both Kevin and, and uh, Keegan both had single digits. So the, starting, the starters weren't the best scoring-wise, especially compared to last night when the Kings had four players finish in uh, with 20 or more points and six total players finishing in double figures. But if you can get a good output from your bench on a night where De'Aaron's going for 41 and you're getting a triple-double from DeMontis Sabonis, oh yeah, the Kings are going to be a tough team to beat. So shout out Monk, shout out Lyles, the great performance that they had off the bench. Speaking of DeMontis Sabonis, I already kind of spoiled it there. He got his 14th triple-double of the season tonight. 13 points, 14 rebounds, and 10 assists. One of those more quiet triple-doubles, especially compared to the offensive performance that he had the night before in Indiana. I think this is important to note. Again, speaking and sticking with the kind of all-star snubbing theme, DeMontis Sabonis had five rebounds and four assists. Actually, it might have been the other way around. It was either five rebounds, four assists, or four rebounds, five assists, or maybe it was six and five. I honestly don't remember. I should have written uh, wrote, uh, written it down but he had a lot of rebounds and a lot of assists in the first six minutes of action tonight way more than Carl Anthony Towns had in 35 minutes of action last night but Carl Anthony Towns got named an all-star Demontis Sabonis did not I'm going to keep beating that dead horse apparently but in addition like I mentioned 14 triple doubles this season for Sabonis that matches his career high for triple doubles in a season Y'all, we're at the very, very beginning of February. Like, Sabonis is having a better season this season than he did last year when he was an All-Star. De'Aaron Fox is having a better season this season than he did last year as an All-Star. The Kings are 10 games above 500 in early February. The Kings are on the, the same win total, on the same, uh, even a slightly improved win percentage, despite not having the injury luck of last season, which so many people talked about in early February, and yet they had two All-Stars last year, none this year. Why? Because they're in fifth place instead of third. Not that that matters, because the Los Angeles Lakers have two All-Stars, and they're, I think, now at 500 with their win in New York tonight. I think they won in New York tonight. Either way, they're a play-in team. I know Steph Curry went for 60, and Steph was amazing tonight in a loss to the Atlanta Hawks, by the way. Steph was awesome. It's not his fault that that team sucks, but that team sucks. A team is the 12th seed, the 12th place in the West. They're bad. Steph Curry gets in. More of a legacy award than anything else. I have no problem with Steph Curry being in the All-Star game. I expect it. But it just sucks to see guys from the 9th place team or 10th place team, the 12th place team getting into the All-Star game, and nobody from the 5th place team gets in. I think I've made that perfectly clear. Unfortunately, though, I've, we've been talking a lot in recent weeks about Demonis Sabonis' double-double streak. Of course, that in, uh, continued tonight. He is now at 31 straight double-doubles. What we thought and what we were led to believe initially was that the franchise record, the Sacramento Kings franchise record for, for, for double-double streak was 31 held by Oscar Robertson. Big O. Apparently, that's not the case. Through some, some checking and some clarification, it was actually revealed today that Sabonis has a long way to go. A long way to go. Now, he is in sole ownership of second place, or the, the, the second, excuse me, second longest double-double streak in franchise history. 
But to get to number one, whew, he's got a ways to go. Because the number one spot is not held by Oscar Robertson. It is held by Jerry Lucas, who had 55 straight double-doubles in King's franchise history. I've been talking about it a lot on this show. Unfortunately, just a mix-up with statistics from, uh, from, from the Sacramento Kings, but it wasn't malicious or anything like that. Still, 31 straight double-doubles is extremely impressive, and there's no reason to believe that DeMontis Sabonis can't get to that 55 mark the way that he's playing, but it's, he's got a ways to go. Right, he's not he's not number one yet. Like I was excited to say that he had tied tonight, and I was expecting to say that he was going to pass it on Monday against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We've talked a lot about the trade deadline that gets closer and closer and closer. Well, tonight with the Chicago Bulls, we got an opportunity to take a look at two candidates that potentially the Kings should have been keeping their eyes on in a trade. One jumped off the page. You already know who I'm talking about. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. I'll share with you why I feel the way that I feel about Alex Caruso in just a second. Today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. It is the best, absolute best way to get your daily fantasy sports fixed because you're not taking on anybody else, whether it's your friends, just a casual like yourself or those pros and sharks from Vegas or around the world that literally make a living off of something that's supposed to be fun and supposed to be kind of a side hobby and enjoyable. No, you're not playing against anybody. It's just you versus the prize picks projections. You pick two to six players and whether they'll have more or less than a projection. For example, more points for De'Aaron Fox tonight, more than 30 and a half points. Uh, less, uh, let's say less rebounds for DeMondis Sabonis tonight. Maybe he was at 13 and a half, but he only had, uh, what did he have, 13? Oh, no, he had 14. So maybe you pick more. 13 and a half, you pick more, you get that right, right? That's all you have to do. There's so many different ways to play. There's combinations of points, rebounds, and assists. If you love DeMondis Sabonis and his triple doubles, that's a fun way to play. You could do minutes played. You could do dunks in a game. There's so many different fun ways for you to play prize picks for every single Sacramento Kings game for any NBA game period plus NFL action as well prize picks is so much fun and if you get it right you can win up to 25 times your money plus when you win they have super safe super fast withdrawals I have had the privilege of being able to withdraw money after winning on prize picks and it was in my bank account I'm not even kidding you in less than 48 hours no questions asked Super easy, super clean, no hoops to jump through, no concerns, no fears whatsoever. It's all about having fun and making money. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made easy. Two names that I was keeping my eye on tonight with the Kings taking on the Chicago Bulls. Two names, Alex Caruso and DeMar DeRozan. Now, one of them has had a bigger career than the other. One of them is a lot more well-known than the other. Of course, I'm talking about DeMar DeRozan. Would I hate the Sacramento Kings going after him? No. Do I think he's going to be worth what the, the Bulls are going to ask for him or what would require to get him? No. Like, I, I like DeRozan. I think DeRozan could absolutely help this Kings team. Compared to Alex Caruso, though, it's a no-brainer of which one I want. Right? Alex Caruso is such an impactful defender exactly what this Kings team needs and is looking for to some extent. Now, of course, I've talked a lot about the lack of depth at 
in, at the wing position, right? The lack of 6'8", 6'9", athletic, long wingspan guys. Alex Caruso doesn't exactly fit that mold, right? But if you have Keegan Murray, who's taking on that primary defensive job of guarding the opposing team's typically best wing, sometimes he has to move to the guard if, if it just makes more sense for the Kings because they have nobody else to put on the best guard, unless De'Aaron wants to take some of that load. But the Kings need De'Aaron and his scoring so much that Mike doesn't want De'Aaron guarding the opposing team's best guard for all 35 minutes that he plays. If you could bring in an Alex Caruso to handle the opposing team's best guard while Keegan Murray's handling their best forward or best wing, and then you can have De'Aaron Fox switching in every once in a while, and we know how good of a defender De'Aaron Fox can be. I genuinely believe that Alex Caruso would be just as impact, impactful, if not even more impactful, for the Sacramento Kings short-term and long-term winning than a Kyle Kuzma trade, than a bigger name trade. I am very high on Alex Caruso. I would slightly overpay to get Alex Caruso in Sacramento. Now, I say slightly because I'm not going to go crazy, right? And the Sacramento Kings are not going to go crazy, of course. Monty might even roll his eyes at what I'd be willing to give up for Alex Caruso. If Caruso truly isn't available, which I know the, the, the Bulls are moving away from contendership, right? And they're, they're looking to blow things up, but they're not looking to gut everything and start fresh, at least based off the conversations, some on this podcast, some off the record with uh, good people from Chicago. Maybe they decide to keep on uh, keep a hold of Caruso because they still like him for their short-term slash long-term plans. If that's the case, then if you really need him and really want him as the Kings, then I truly believe Alex Caruso could be a big difference in a Kings playoff series or two. Then maybe, just maybe, you got to make an offer that they can't refuse. I mean, tonight, Alex Caruso, seven points, six assists, five rebounds, three steals, two blocks. I mean, across the stat sheet production. The seven points doesn't concern me as all, at all. Is he really a three-point shooter? No, but he had, I think, a couple of threes tonight. Offensively, you don't need a ton of production from Caruso. And he's not poor enough offensively where he's going to kill your spacing and can kill your offensive rhythm. He's a defensive specialist for sure that can make an offensive impact from time to time. But his defensive impact, I think, is so significant and would be so helpful for the Sacramento Kings with what they're looking for and what Mike Brown is looking for with his on-ball and perimeter defense that it would far outweigh the uh, offensive concerns of Caruso, for sure. You might have to make an offer that they can't refuse. An offer that I think they can refuse is like Davion Mitchell and a protected first-round pick. I think the Bulls can get away from that. I don't know if they're going to get much better. I think the like maybe an offer they can't refuse involves multiple first-round picks. I don't know how willing I am to do that. I'm certainly not doing Kevin Herter in multiple firsts. You're not getting a starter and multiple firsts. But I would do, personally, I would do, and the money works, at least based off of the, the trade machine websites, I would do Kevin Herter and a unprotected or like top five protected future first-round pick for Alex Caruso. I don't know if that gets the job done. If I'm if I'm the Chicago Bulls, like what better are you getting for Caruso? If some team is willing to give you multiple firsts for Caruso, so be it. Like I don't think the Kings would feel too comfortable doing that, especially if they believe, like it's been reported, that they could get Kyle Kuzma for a, a decent player, like a, a Kevin Herter and one first rounder. So I'm, I, I I think I, I take a healthy stand on not including multiple firsts in an Alex Caruso deal, but to give a starter 
who's a good caliber player like a, a, a Kevin Herter, or even a combination of Herter and Davion plus a first round pick, yeah, I'd do it to get Alex Crusoe here in Sacramento. Maybe I'm overvaluing him. I was just that impressed by his defense, especially on De'Aaron Fox there in the second half. Alex Caruso, even though he wasn't doing a lot of scoring to come back from 30, his defense and his hustle and his energy on that end of the floor allowed the Chicago Bulls to come back and make a game of this towards the end. I would love to see Alex Caruso in a Kings uniform. Am I alone on that? Or do you agree with me? Let me know at MattGeorgeSack on Twitter. Email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. Leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Hey, the Kings are 10 games over 500, y'all. That's so good to say. They have one game left on this season-long seven-game road trip, and the worst that they can go is five and two on this trip. That's awesome to be able to say. And I think the Kings have a very, very good chance of winning in Cleveland and going home six and one on their seven-game road trip. That right there is what great teams do. Not good teams, great teams do. It's performed that well on the road. And it very well could have been, they could be six and oh right now, if they handle their business and win that game the way they should have in Miami. But whatever. One loss, you can accept that. The Kings are playing better basketball right now, even though they blew that 30-point lead. They were playing really, really good basketball. I do think they've responded well to the, uh, the, the all-star snubbing. And we'll see if that continues day off tomorrow. They wrap it up in Cleveland on Monday. And then they have two home games against Denver on Friday. And there's a game on Wednesday. I can't remember who it's against. Am I? Oh, it's Detroit if I'm not mistaken. And then they're back on the road for a couple of games, including Super Bowl Sunday against the Oklahoma City Thunder, which I don't know why. I do not know why they have NBA games on Super Bowl Sunday, but I guess it is what it is. Speaking of which, for those of you who, uh, who don't know, I guess, I, I work for ABC 10 News in Sacramento too, so I don't just cover the Kings. The Kings are my primary coverage, but we cover all sports in Northern California, local sports, prep sports, whatever it may be. And of course, with the San Francisco 49ers to go into the Super Bowl, that means we're going to the Super Bowl. It's going to be an incredible experience going to Las Vegas. So I will be in Las Vegas for the Cavs game on Monday and for the two games, or three games next week, including the Super Bowl Sunday day, uh, game. So this will be the first time this season that I'm missing Kings home games. I will miss both of them, unfortunately. So if you're going to those games, I'm so sorry. I will not be there. But... I will still be paying as close of attention as I possibly can amidst all the uh, Super Bowl work that I'll be doing. And I will have post-game pods for you and Locked on Kings episodes from Las Vegas. So the podcast is not being put on hold. It is continuing no matter what. Uh, so I hope you will continue to support me. And if you're going to Vegas to be there for the Super Bowl shenanigans and festivities, hey, let me know. I'd love to bump into you and say hi. Really appreciate your support. As always, can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network.